This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. When Jesus gives you instruction, all the power and resource necessary to make it come to pass are in the words that He said. His word is that powerful, and all God wants us to do is respond in obedience to the word that He gave. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's listen to the message. Get to know Jesus. He makes all the difference. Um, I just want to give y'all a praise report. That uh, prayer request about um, that parking space at Walmart. <laughs> God answered my prayer, so I just want to let y'all know that. So now I'm praying for a sign with my name on it. You know, no parking in this spot except for me. So, so now I'm, I'm praying for a sign with, you know, Pastor Nunn on it, uh, right there, first spot in Walmart. <laughs> anyway, we've been talking about getting to know Jesus and. I thought about this morning, I thought about the fact that, you know, I don't care who you stop, where you stop them, when you talk to them, no matter where they are in their lives, whether they're saved or not saved, you can talk to anybody and they'll pretty much tell you they know Jesus. But I found out and I thought about it and, and, and I came to this conclusion that, you know, it's a lot of people know that Jesus was born in a manger. You know, because they see him at this time of the year around Christmas time. It's a lot of people know that Jesus is, was born of a virgin. A lot of people know that he was born in Bethlehem. A lot of people know about his mother was Mary and his earthly father was considered to be Joseph. And they may know these things based on songs. They may know it based on Sunday school when they were children. You know, a lot of people know about you know, I remember a long time ago, you know, this guy, he used to walk the street and, uh, and uh, he would ask people for money. And really, he wanted the money so he could buy wine. And so he came to the house one day, he was passing by the house. I guess I was coming out of the house and he came up to me and he said, uh, he asked me for some money. I, and I told him, I said, man, I'm not giving you my money so you can buy wine. And the first thing out of his mouth was, you know, Jesus turned water, water into wine. So that makes it, I guess, it, it's all right, you know. And I can remember another story about a man that, that you know, when, when, when he was coming down the road, you know, he was, he was about halfway drunk, you know, he was talking, and he was talking about Jesus, and, and he came up and he said, you know, you know I, I, I know the Bible. He said, I know the Bible. The Bible said when five or six are gathered together in my name, he said, they are mine in the midst. So... You know, my point is, it didn't say five or six, but it said two or three. But my point is this. Anywhere you meet people or anybody you run across, they're going to tell you that they know Jesus. But do you realize that all of that is about him? If, you, if that's all you know, you know about him. You really don't know him. Because... It's almost as if you say you know me because you know the street I live on, the job where I work, the church where I pastor, you know some things about me. But the truth of the matter is we don't really know people 
We don't really know people. You know me when you know my heart, when you are intimately acquainted with me and you know the deep secrets of my heart. You know what motivates me. You know what drives me. You know what makes me happy or makes me sad. And I believe that people that truly know Jesus, every one of us should have an individual and personal story of something that Jesus has done and more so of something that he has said. He said some things to me that he may not have said to you. And that's where I know him differently. And every one of us should know him, should know him differently. Because he's not the same to everybody. He's not the same to everybody. You know, my wife used to read those books. Um, the, the books about slavery. Books that slaves wrote. And, you know, the, thing, the unique thing about Jesus was this. You know, he, would, he talks to you in your language. You know, a lot of people, I, I was talking to a guy this week, and he, and he was, I walked by, and I was on first shift, so I'm working with people that I didn't know. So I walk around, and I speak to everybody, good morning, good morning, good morning. And this guy said, I can't remember, I can't say the word, but I think he said Macaris or something. So I was like, okay, what that mean? And so he said, that means uh, I'm blessed. And later on in the week, I went back over there to him, and he said, he said, you should know this. He found out I was a pastor. I said, I'm not real good with English. So I know I don't know Greek. <laughs> so, so, and my point is, what's the point? If I come in this church and I start speaking in Greek, how many of y'all going to know what I'm talking about? Nobody. And my point is, Jesus speaks the language that we speak. He talks in the language that we talk in. And back to my story about the books that my wife read, you know, and I know people don't like it when you use this word, but anyway, you know, those slaves would tell stories, and they would say God spoke to them and said, Nigga, you better get over there and do what that man told you. Because he speaks in a language that you understand. I mean, what good is it if he came to me, he can speak all languages, and he came to me speaking Chinese. He's going to speak with me. He split verbs. He said, ain't. To some of us, he said, now. <laughs> I tried to spell that. But Jesus can say it. He's just that personal. He's just that intimate with his people. And so, please don't get caught up in in knowledge and Greek words and terminology and, and theology and all this other stuff. You know, people try to impress people with knowledge. I'm not going to try to impress you with anything because if I tell you something, if I, if I give you a whole bunch of stuff and you don't know what I'm talking about, it's no good to anybody. So we've been talking about meeting Jesus, getting to know him. And so today... 
we want to talk about Right here, Mark. No, what is that? Oh, okay, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. Anyway, we are, we, the, the title of the message is Getting to Know Jesus, He Makes the Difference. Jesus makes the difference, I'm telling you. If, when you, when you see this story, when you read this, this, these scriptures in this story, Oh, I'm flipping around now. Jesus makes a difference. So when you get to John chapter 5, oh, man. Okay, here we go. It said, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five Ruth colonnades, or the King James says it has five porches. And in those five porches, around that pool, lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. And so when I thought about this, I thought about, I thought about invalids. So those, those were people that's been injured for some reason, and, and they cannot function. And then you got the blind, people that just can't, can't see or limited in their, in, their see, in, their, in their vision. And then you got the lame, those people just maybe can't, probably can't walk or they're not mobile. And then you got people that are paralyzed. And when you think about people that are paralyzed, it could be, it could be one side, it could be from the waist down, it could literally be from the waist up. It could be completely. And so I believe that when, when, when Jesus came upon this pool, he was describing a group of people that literally describes all of us. He was talking about all of us. He was looking at the world. He walked up on the world, and he saw some blind people. And I know, I know every one of y'all open your eyes and y'all can see, but, you know, when the man sang about amazing grace, he said, how sweet the sound I once was blind, but now I see. But he wasn't physically blind, but he was spiritually blind. And I believe a lot of us are that way. So we want to see ourselves in this. And so the question is, why were these people there? Why were they there? It says, why you don't want to act right today? Okay. It says, they were waiting for the stirring of the water. And I got that I got that scripture wrong. That's not three five. That's not five. That's not three one through seven. It's it's five. It's chapter five. I can't remember exactly what verses those are. But he says they were waiting for the stirring of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down into the pool at an appointed season and stirred up the water. And the first one to go in after the water was stirred was healed of his disease. Now I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know how long a season is. I don't know what a season is, what he's referring to. A pointed season. But can you imagine a multitude of people that's sick, laying around this water, 
And I'm sure the water would probably do like a jacuzzi. It start to bubble. And when they saw it start to bubble, they would all start to, in whatever way they could, maybe some with the help of other people, would try to get into the water. And the first one in would be healed. Now, can you imagine all these people jumping in the water, hoping they would be first, and then they get out, and all they are is wet? So now they got to get out, and they got to dry themselves off, and then they got to lay and wait for the stirring of the water again. So I want you to see in this story that Jesus makes the difference, and this is a depic depiction of the human condition. Like I said earlier, it describes every one of us, every one of us. The first one is he was without strength. The man was without strength. In John 5, 5, it said one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. I just want you to let that soak in a minute. 38 years this man has been an invalid for 38 years. Now, I don't know whether he's come to this pool for 38 years, but if he has, I want you to think about this man is actually... Every day, getting up, gathering his stuff, going to this water, and sitting by this pool, waiting on this water to bubble up so he can be healed. If he did that for 38 years, I'd take my hat off to this man. I'd take my hat off to him. So the attention of Jesus was drawn to one man. And I put that in blue because I want you to understand this. He is a personal God. He's personal. He's not only personal, he's intimate. We would have lost that man in a crowd. We would have never recognized him. All we would have saw was a bunch of sick, pe sick people. But I want you to know this, that Jesus didn't only see that one man. He saw every one of them individually and knew every one of them's problem. But for whatever reason, he was drawn to that one man. And so Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time. That blessed my heart too. Because not only did Jesus, was Jesus drawn to him, Jesus knew that he'd been in this condition a while. It tells us something, something about Jesus. It tells something about our God that he knew that this man had been in this predicament, been in this condition for a long period of time. And so why was he drawn to him? What, what was actually going on? This man, what a, what a difficult and sad life he must have had because I want you to think about this. Every day he's got to get up, he's got to get his bed, his mat, or somebody's got to put him on the mat and actually carry him to this place. But the part I want you to see is this. Hope in the activity of God and not in God himself brings about hopelessness. And I'm going to tell you something. Too many people focus on the activity and miss the God of the activity. Now, this man was focused on a pool. Now, to me... When you read scripture, you look at scripture, water represents two things in scripture. One of them is the spirit and the other one is trouble. So 
In this one, I believe it is representative of the Holy Spirit actually coming down at a particular time. It says an angel of the Lord came down and he stirred the water because in John it also says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that he was talking about, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So when you see the word water, it either, mean, it either means trouble or it means the Spirit. In this case, it's talking about the Spirit. So he was actually caught up and looking for the activity of God. Let me say this. How many folks actually go to these meetings all over the world looking for the activity of God and not looking for God? Looking for what he can do, but not looking for him. Secondly, the man was without hope. First, I want you to remember that he was without strength because he said, when, 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 he, when, he, when he said, he said, when I try to make my way to the water, another stepped down before me. And he also said to Jesus, he said, sir, no man helps me. In other words, his focus was not on Jesus and not so much the water. It was focused on is somebody helping him. So the man was actually without hope. John 5, 6, he said, now when Jesus saw him lying there and knew, he knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? What a question. What a question to ask a man that's been laying at a pool, waiting on it to stir so that he could get in, so that he could be healed. And here comes Jesus and the question that he asked him is, do you want to be healed? I would have looked at Jesus and said, really? Are you serious? I've been like this for 38 years. I gather this bed every day. I come down to this pool. I'm waiting on it to be stirred so I can step in, so I can be healed. And you ask me, do I want to be healed? You know, when I think about Jesus asking questions, when God asks a question, I don't think he's asking questions like we ask questions. Now, we ask questions as pros. You know, when somebody come up to you and ask you a question, they're trying to find out something. Question is like a, a probe that goes inside the turkey. You don't know the inside of that turkey done unless you got a probe in him. You don't know what's going on on the inside of me unless you start asking questions. So when somebody come up around you and ask questions, how your mama doing? You got to ask yourself what they really want to know. How your husband? They done heard something. <laughs> they trying to find out if it's true. You know, you still drive that blue car? They trying to see if the snack man done got it. <laughs> they looking for something. They done heard something, so they coming to you with a question. They coming to you with a probe. But I want you to think about in Genesis when God spoke to Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? Now, he wasn't asking Adam where he was because he didn't know. He was asking Adam, where are you? Because he wanted Adam to figure out where he was. And then when he said, who told you that? He wanted Adam to know, not that he was confused and wondering who he was talking to because he either had to talk to Eve or the devil and God already knew this. So he said, now, when he said, well, who told you that? He was trying to get him to recognize that where did you get your information and is it true? Can it be true? If it didn't come from me, you need to question it. So when God asked this man, do you want to be healed? It's an in interesting question and you ask yourself why. So 
Was he asking him, I need you to work with me? You need to look at where you are and decide if you want to move forward? Was that, is that what he was asking him? Was he asking him that, you know, you're going to have to cooperate with me in order for something to take place? Was he asking him, you know, I'm ready to walk with you, but I can't help you if you don't engage with me? Is that what Jesus was saying? And then you think about what, 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 what people say when, they, when we minister to people, we, we depend on something coming from within the person in order for that person to make some kind of progress. They have to work with us. They got to talk to us. They got to they do something. They got to work with us. But we then come to the realization that we don't have any power to change anybody's life. Now, we think we do. We think we got some power to do something. And this is why people say, God helps those who help themselves. How many folk believe that? So in other words, you know, in other words, we, we actually believe that if I don't do nothing to help myself, then God won't help me. I believe this. The Bible says that when we were without strength, God sent his son. He said when we were helpless, God was sending his son to die. So if God only helps those that help themselves, and, and for, me, for, for him to say that he helps me when I help myself, that means I have some kind of power or capability in me to do something. And if I got power and capability to do something, that means when God and I are done, we're going to say, God, look what we did. Look at us. So does God really help those who help themselves? Mm. And the, the obvious point of the story was the man was completely without strength. And he was completely without hope. He had no strength. In other words, he couldn't, he couldn't do anything to get up himself and get into that water. He had no hope of ever being healed or delivered. He was overwhelmed by his own problem so much that he didn't even answer Jesus' question. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed. Let me say this to you. A lot of times you miss the, God, miss the voice of God because you're so consumed and caught up with your situation, your problem, your ordeal, whatever is going on. So if God were to talk to you, you wouldn't even know what he said. This man had no idea what Jesus asked him. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? When Jesus said, do you want to be healed? The man responds by telling Jesus why he can't be. I can't be healed. I don't have no hope. Won't nobody help me. How many times have we made those excuses I can't because this keeps me back. This holds me down. They won't allow this to happen. And that's not even the question that Jesus asked him. In John 5, 7, he says, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. 
Notice what he called him. I got tickled this week when I was at work. Um, this we we were we were in a meeting with some of the MSTs and 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 the lady, the other supervisor on first shift. She was telling them what she expected and so on and so forth. And she said, she said when Mr. Isaac go to second shift. He said, he's going to have his MSTs in order. They're going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And she was saying all this stuff. And she said, Mr. Isaac going to do. She said, Mr. Isaac going to do. And so after we got through, I said, I didn't even know you knew my first name. She said, what are you talking about? I said, Mr. I didn't know you knew. I didn't know you knew my first name. I said, Isaac, my middle name. <laughs> Mr., my first name. A lot of them young children now that they be talking Isaac, 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 and then someone want him called Mr. Isaac. Who told you my first name? <laughs> Mr. Yeah. And so I look at what he called Jesus. He said, Sir. Sir. In other words, you got to note that he don't even know who he's talking to. He said, Sir, I have no one. How many times have we used that as an excuse not to do something? I have no one. Won't nobody help me. Won't nobody help me. Won't nobody help me. I can't do all this by myself. I have no one. So, so what he does is explain why there is no hope for him. Look at what he says. Uh-oh. Here's the problem. Here's the thing I can't get beyond. Here's what I've not been able to make progress and why I cannot move forward. The man start to make excuses. Excuses, excuses, excuses. I heard somebody say this. Say excuses are like armpits. Everybody got two. Everybody got two. And the man starts saying, here's the problem. Here's the thing I can't get beyond. Here's what I'm not been, why I hadn't been able to make progress and move forward. And, and the question is, can you hear the echo of your own voice in this? How you may be disappointed, how you may be let down because somebody disappointed you, didn't do what they were supposed to do. And how often do we blame parents? How often do we blame other people for faults and failures and things that we can't accomplish and do? How often do we say, nobody will help me? How often do we say, somebody's holding me back? How often do we not recognize and realize that Jesus is standing, waiting, and available to help us? So if somebody asks you, do you want to be healed, what would you, your response be? Why would it not be possible for you to be healed? Why? So, not only was the man without strength, not only was he without hope, he was without faith. Now, how do we know he was without faith? John chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, they ask him, who is the man who told you, pick up your pallet and walk? Who is he? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away unnoticed since there was a crowd in that place. Now, when you read this, 
I know everybody thinks that you can't get nothing from God without faith. How many folk believe that? Can't get nothing from God without faith. Even, even, even Hebrews 11.6, Sister Wanda's scripture, it says, For without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, let me, let me say that. Let me quote that again. Hebrews 11.6. For without faith, <clears throat> for without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, I want y'all to catch the phrase that makes this man different from what this, this scripture say. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, what's the phrase that makes this situation different from Hebrews 11.6? He that cometh to God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarded that the dealing to the seeking. It didn't say who God comes to. See, this man didn't come to Jesus. This man was at the pool, he was around the pool, he was on the porch, and he was there waiting on the water. He wasn't looking for Jesus, he didn't come to Jesus. So there's no requirement of faith because he didn't come to Jesus. There's nothing required of him because Jesus literally came to him. He came to him. But the man didn't even know who Jesus was, so how is he going to have faith in him? And there are so many scriptures that say, according to your faith, you've been made well. Remember the woman that had the issue of blood. He said, because of your faith, you're healed. The blind man, your faith has made you whole. And he said that so many times, so many times. He rebuked his disciples because so many times they did not have faith. And so now it's, it's so many scriptures that say that you got to have faith in order to come to Jesus. And we actually believe that we got to have faith. We got to believe him. This man didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to the man. So his faith was not necessary for him to, to, to receive something from, from Jesus. So he don't show any evidence of faith whatsoever. He's overwhelmed by his own problems. He's without strength. He's without hope. And he is without faith. He has nothing. Have anybody ever been in a predicament where you didn't have any of those working in your favor? I have no strength. I have no hope. And I have no faith. I don't believe. I can't do nothing, and th this is a hopeless situation. I don't even, can't even see my way out of it. And so I want you to understand that the scripture in Zechariah says, what? Not by might, nor by power, nor is it by, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. So we got to learn that it's, it, it, is, it is not what we can do in and of ourselves. So what hope can there be for a person that has no strength, no hope, and no faith. What hope can it be for them? Jesus come to that person without hope, without strength, without hope, and without faith. He been like that for you. 38 years, and Jesus comes along and heals him. Picks him out of a crowd and heals him. A demonstration of divine power. Demonstration of divine power. 
John chapter 5, verse 89, Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now, three things he told him to do. Three things he told him to do. What was the first one? Get up. What's the second one? And the third one? Get up. Man, if I'd been laying somewhere 38 years and somebody came along to me and told me to get up, what would you say? Okay. Don't you know if I could have got up, I would have been got up? Don't you know that if I could take up my bed and if I could walk, I wouldn't even be out here? So this is what we got to learn. There was no physical therapy. He didn't have to go to the therapist in order to walk. It was Christ-infused strength into his body and his joints, and all became strengthened. You remember the story in Peter, in, in uh, Acts, when the Bible said a man was outside the temple and he was begging, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And the Bible said when, Jesus, when Peter touched him, the man's feet and ankle bone immediately received strength. How many of y'all ever traveled a good bit, a long way, long distance? And when you ride over mm, about three hours, just say three hours, most of us two, depends on how old you are, it could be 30 minutes or an hour. <laughs> when, you, when you pull over, what's the first thing you got to do? You got to shake them out. You don't just immediately just jump out the car and start walking. I mean, sometimes, sometimes me and my wife, we'll, we'll go grocery shopping or go somewhere and we'll come back and we'll sit in the car. And I'll be done. I, I, I would have taken her to just say I take her to the, the belt and, and I'll sit in the car. So I'm sitting in the car while she's in belts for those four hours. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I, I didn't mean to say four hours. Anyway, I'm I'm sitting in the car, so you know, <laughs> so, so you know, while I'm sitting in the car, I'm sitting in the car just waiting and sitting still and and so on and so forth, you know. So, and then we may go somewhere else, you know, like we may ride around, leave belts, and go around to Dillard's, and then she's in there about two hours. I mean, and and then you know, so now I've been sitting in the car about six hours. And I hadn't stretched my legs, hadn't got out of anything. Then we get home, and then when we get to the house, you know, we pull up in the driveway, and then we'll sit there in the car, and we'll sit there and talk, and just watch cars go by and sit there and talk and talk about stuff and whatever, whatever. You know, so now I got a total of eight hours in the car. I could have been in, what, about South Carolina by now? I mean, uh, 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 at least the North Carolina line. Anyway, so when I get ready to get out of the car, Everything hurt. <laughs> ain't nothing working. Ain't nothing working. And here Jesus is telling this man, get up. Why did he tell him to take up his bed? He said, he said, now I want you to get up and I want you to pick up the thing that you've been dependent on. And he said, I want you to get on the move now. I want you to get going. And I want you to think about his muscles are instantly formed. 
And this man had been laying on this bed for 38 years, and now all of a sudden, he's walking. Amazing. A miracle. A supernatural show of God's power. But I want you to see something else, too. These miracles are presented to us as signs. Y'all remember that from last week? That John wrote these, and he said, these are signs. Not so that you can trust a miracle or look for a miracle, but so that you can believe in Jesus. And that in believing, you may have life through his name. So, so we see these signs that Jesus speaks a command and he gives what is lacking so that what he wills comes to pass. This is so sweet and so unique to me. That, <clears throat> you, remember, you remember last week when we talked about the man whose son was ill and then it said he was at the point of death. The, man was at the, the, the boy was at the point of death. And so he left home. He went 20 miles to Capernaum. No, yeah. He went, he went to meet Jesus. And when he met Jesus, Jesus, he told Jesus, he said, Jesus, come to my house for my son is at the point of death. And Jesus said, you won't believe unless you see signs and miracles. And then Jesus said, go, your son shall live. And the Bible said, a man went. And then when he met his servants, I think it's 5, 4.53, he said, when he met, when he met his servants, his, he said, what hour did he get well? And he said, about the seventh hour. So he knew that was the hour that Jesus said, your son shall live. And he realized that Jesus had the power to command and that there was no distance in that affected his command. In other words, he could be in Capernaum and he could speak in New York and whatever he spoke to would respond. So we learned that he gave us these signs so that we can understand that Jesus speaks and he commands and whatever he commands, it come to pass. So Augustine said this, he said to God, command what you will, only give what you command. That's why you got to understand that when, when Jesus was speaking to this man, he had no expectation of the man having anything in himself to do what he said. So Augustine is saying, this is what he's saying. Come on, work with me. Here we go. So what he was saying something like this. Lord, you command what you want. But the problem is, is that I do not have the capacity to do what you command. This ought to liberate us and set us free. It should liberate us and set us free that when Jesus commands something, he's not thinking that you have something in you. What he commands, he provides. When he, when, he, when he told Peter, Peter, they're out on the water. Out, Jesus walking on the water, and that was a great storm. And Jesus said, Peter said, you know, they were terrified. They saw him, and, and Peter wasn't sure. You know, he said, Lord, if that be you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, what? Come. And so Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water to Jesus. So what was he walking on? What gave him the ability to make water like a floor? 
that word come. The word he commanded, when he commanded it, he gave him the capability. The ability to do what Jesus command is in what he says. So when, when Jesus told his man, get up, guess what? That command went into his body and commanded his joints and bones and muscles to respond to what Jesus said. Get up. Now pick up the thing you've been leaning on, relying and depending on. And he said, now walk. Jesus knew, this man knew, Jesus knew. How was the man able to do it? Because Jesus has the power to command what he wills, and what he commands, he gives the ability to do what he commands. So, you can say to me that I must love you with all my heart, but I don't have it in me. See, that's a command from God. So, is God expecting me to obey that command? Is that, what he, is that what he wants me to do? Is to Am I required to obey, obey that command? So let's think back for a moment. If he's requiring me to obey the command, then Jesus didn't need to come and there was no need for the Holy Spirit. The reason why Jesus came and the Holy Spirit came because God wrote all these com commandments and nobody could do them. They had no power, no capability of doing what he said. He said, he said, he, he gave us a command. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Now, if you try to do that, you may do it for about, eh, about a fraction of a second. And then you're going to go back to doing what you always done. Because if we could obey the commands, then Jesus didn't need to come. All God needed to do was give us the command. But what the command did was just show us we were sinners and that we couldn't function and perform like God wanted us to. So he tells me to love my neighbor as myself, but guess what, God? I love myself more than I do anybody else. I don't need y'all lying. Don't act like y'all don't. <laughs> I, I, I like my neighbor, but I really love me. So God commands this. And he's commanding something that he knew I can't do. So when, when he tell me to repent, but I realize, God, I like this sin. I mean, this thing kind of fun. So I really don't want get, to get rid of it. So, you know, and, and it made me think about my daddy. <clears throat> my daddy, before he died, he, he said one day, I went to his house and he was talking and he, he said, you know I don't smoke no more. I said, okay. And he looked at me, and I didn't say nothing else. He didn't say nothing. And he looked at me, and he said, you're not going to ask me why, how I did it? I said, okay, how you did it? <laughs> he, said, he, said, uh, he said, I woke up one morning. He said, I've been praying and asking God to help me to stop smoking. And so he said, one morning I woke up, and God spoke to me and said, don't pick up another one. And he said, I haven't picked up another one since. And so my point is, is the same as I'm saying here. Okay, he got a command from God not to pick up another one, but was it in, my daddy smoked 40 years or more. And he smoked for real. Mr. Knight, I always rely on you to, to help me out. He smoked when the cigarette didn't have no filter on it. 
he smoked Riley and uh, Camel. <laughs> he smoked, I remember seeing, because I don't, for whatever reason, you remember Mary, he had all them cigarette packs and he kept all them little things coming in the cigarette pack like he gonna win a prize or something for smoking all them cigarettes. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he had all them cigarette packs and he smoked Raleigh and Camel and he smoked for 40 years and I'm telling you, it ain't easy to quit when you got that addicted to nicotine. More folk using patches, doing vaping, everything trying to quit. But God spoke to my daddy and said, don't pick up another one. And in the command of don't pick up another one was the power not to pick up another one. Now, he had a choice. He had a choice. So, oh man, I don't know what happened then, uh, Mark. Oh, go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Let's start right there. So August, what Augustine was saying, so you can command what you will, but the only way any good is ever going to come, going to happen in my life, if you got to give it to me, you got to do it. So let me relieve y'all. Let me relieve you. Stop trying to live by the commandments of God because you can't do it. You cannot do it. Stop thinking. And I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you something. What happens to most people is probably what could have happened to this man. Most people won't even attempt to live the Christian life because they'll tell you immediately what? I can't live like that. Because when, when you talk to a person about becoming a Christian, what's the first thought that, that come into your mind? Who said that? They, the first thought comes to their mind of what they got to give up. If they got a girl they staying with, they thinking, mm, no. <laughs> no, I ain't leaving her. If they, if they drink, if they smoke, if they go to the club, if they party, they, I mean, man, they think, they, they think, they really think they live in the light. I did too. You know, man, I live for Friday night. I mean, I'm thinking, man, we can't wait. I was like Marvin Gaye. Don't, 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 don't. I used to go out and party and stand around. <laughs> See, he was singing my song because I was too nervous to really get down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was singing my song. So, you know, and, I, and when, when the man started talking to me about following Jesus, man, all I could hear was Marvin. <laughs> I, hear, I hear Marvin say, Marvin say, Marvin say, I don't, I don't overcame all that now. I don't overcame. I don't got, well, I like this now. When I got started, you know, I used to go out and party and stand around. But after a while, man, they, they, they made a little soul train line for me and my friend. We, 
We were walking down the aisle, boy. We, we were doing the thing. We were starting the show. <laughs> and, and all we can think about is what we got to give up. And we, and we realize immediately what? I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So we quit. And I'm going to tell you what happens to most people that come to church. When the Holy Spirit starts working and moving, these people be sitting in here and they be thinking, man, I, I can't live like that. I can't do this. And I'm going to tell you what else they be thinking. They be looking at all y'all around them, and they thinking y'all already on a ride. They thinking these, these, these folk got it together, you know. But see, that's why testimony is good. That's why it's good to tell folk where you came from so they know they, they can have hope that they can come from there too. You know, when I, that's, why, that's why I'm not ashamed to tell folk how much alcohol I used to drink, how, how I smoked marijuana, how I went to the club and partied and did all this stuff because I want them to know it's hope. There's hope for you. If he saved me, if he, if he let set me free, he can do it for you too. And so he gives a command that is absolutely impossible for this man to take up his bed and walk. Absolutely impossible. Because if the man, I mean, Jesus didn't, he didn't touch him. He didn't pray for him. He just spoke something. He said, get up. Get your bed. The thing you've been leaning, relying, and dependent on, get it up. And I want, I want folks to see you carrying that thing that you've been trusting. And he said, now, get on the move. Get on the move. And so when Jesus commands it, with the command, he gave the man an ability that he did not have before. Paul said it this way. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Let me tell you now. The thing about the Christian life, the thing about this man, is it is yielding to the ability of God. The man without strength, without hope, without faith, and he finds that he now has the capacity to respond to the word of Jesus. Listen again. He now understands, he realizes that he has the capacity to respond. What is necessary for us to have what Jesus is saying? For us simply to do what? Yeah. Just respond. I mean, you may, you may say in your mind, you may think in your mind, I can't, you know, I, I, I hear people all the time, you know, I, I forgive, but I can't forget. And I hear people say this, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. I say to err is human, to make a mistake is human, but to forgive, it take God. It take God. So we need to stop making excuses because God has made provision for everything that he, he commands us to do. He, 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 he already made provision. The point of the story is not that faith makes what Jesus do as possible. The point of the story is Jesus makes faith possible. You can come to Jesus, and I want you to understand what I'm saying now, because the Bible says in 
I can't remember where it is. Anyway, but he said he has dealt to every man what? The measure of faith. So you can stop saying you don't have faith because God already done gave it to you. You cannot say, you can stop saying that I can't love like God because he said in Romans 5, 5, what? The love of God has already been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So he's already given you the capability. He's already given you the power. He's already given you what it takes to make it possible. The reason why you can't is because you do what that man did, and that make it, that's make excuses for what he's saying. So the good news for the per person that don't have strength, without hope, without faith, is the fact that Jesus can give them to you today. He, he gives you, he gives you, he gives you what he commands. You know, I think about Moses when God called Moses. He said, he said, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And what's the first thing Moses said? I, 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 I ain't going to be able to tell him, God. <laughs> I, I, I stutter when I talk. I can see him acting like Peter when Peter said, Peter said, Peter said, man, they said, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter said, man, I, I, don't, I don't know nothing about that man. When, when, when they pulled that cover off of Jesus' head and Jesus, Peter saw how beat up Jesus was, he saw them scars in the hand with, and, and all them scars and stripes on his back, and Peter said, and they said, don't you belong to him? Peter said, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then one lady came up to him and said, man, your speech betrayed you. In other words, you talk like Jesus. Peter said, I, I, I can fix that. <laughs> so, so Peter started cursing. Is this enough evidence for you that I'm not a part of him? And so Moses was the same way. He started making excuses. He said, I can't talk. He said, send my brother Aaron with me, and, and, and I can do this. But let me say this to you. Whatever God, when, let me tell you this. When, 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 when God called me to pastor this church and called me to preach, the first thing I thought, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. And, 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 and the, other part of, uh, the other part of me wanted to go and let somebody teach me and train me and help me and hold my hand. I wanted to come under somebody. I wanted to do, I wanted somebody to just walk me through it. But, you know, the, when, when, when we were, um, when we first bought this building, um, I, I'm telling you, I was totally ignorant of what we were supposed to do. I didn't have a clue. So what we started doing was, me and a couple of, friend of friends of mine, we came in here and we started tearing this. They had them little squares in the ceiling. We started tearing those squares out the ceiling. We, start, we were tearing down walls and all of a sudden the city man came in. And he said, what are y'all doing? I said, you know, we bought the building. We getting ready to make it a church. He said, don't you know that you have to have a permit for any demolition over $500? So I'm, I'm not getting paid, so what you talking about? He said, uh, what is it about what I said you don't understand? Hmm. Why are you so nasty? Anyway, he kind of settled down. He said, well, all you got to do is go up there to the um, public works office, and they'll give you a permit. It's simple. 
So I said, okay. So I, we stopped what we were doing. I got in the car, drove all the way out there to Fox Run, get it, walk in the building. And soon I walk in the building, the lady said, are you from that church? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, uh, uh, well, Mr. Copperman said that uh, uh, you're going to have to go through planning. So I'm like, okay, what is planning? I know what I didn't know nothing, and so we. It took me three months to get through planning. It took me three months. They were telling me I had to have all. I had to have an architect to draw a drawing, and every architect wanted seven, eight thousand dollars. Man, we ain't got but about twelve to work with, and you want me to put seven on paper? I can't do it. And so I kept working with them, kept working with them. Finally, they took a drawing that a guy at Lowe's did for me. And every time I came up on a wall, I, I would come up to a wall and I, I come in this building and I say, God, I do not know what to do. I don't know what to do from this point. And somehow God showed me. He told me. He instructed me. He sent somebody. He helped me. And what I'm trying to get you to see, and, and I was the same way when we got ready to add this building on right here. I was, same thing all over again. City come in. That's, that's not right. It's supposed to be this far away from the wall. I man, that concrete, I can't move that wall. What you want me to do? I can't move the toilet, it's a hole in the floor. I can't move the wall, it's concrete. But every time, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something, how God is, what he commands, he gives you the power to do. What he tells you to do, calls you to do, he gives you the power to do it. In his word is the power to do what he said. Okay? So, when he calls you to believe, he gives you the capacity with the command. I know everybody says it's hard for me to believe, hard for me to believe. If Jesus tells you to believe, I'm telling you, if you will stop saying it's hard for me to believe, and you'll start agreeing with what Jesus said, and it will come where the power will start to manifest in you. Man, are you looking for in yourself what can only be found in Jesus? I'm going to tell you, you know, I keep talking about my daddy because he had a, a big impact in my life. He, he, he blessed me and he messed me up all at the same time. And what I mean by blessing me, he blessed me because working with somebody that's a carpenter, if you work with a carpenter, you can't cut wood twice, so he, real, he was real strict about what you got to do, you know. And, and he would leave us, he would leave me and my cousin Mike, he would leave us, just say, this, this is a cabinet. And he would tell us to sand it. And so when he came back, the first thing he did, walked over to it and he said, and every time he came back, it was either not saying good enough, or he, he would ask, what's you trying to do? Sand all the wood away? So in other words, it was never right. So I grew up thinking nothing was ever right. I didn't, know when, I didn't know what right was. And I wound up doing lawn maintenance. And when I started doing lawn maintenance, I didn't realize why everybody wanted me to cut their grass. Because I didn't know what right was. So I, I, man, I, when I got through cutting the grass, I'd walk around the yard like this. 
And if I saw a blade, one blade of grass sticking up, I go get it. A one pine cone or one leaf. When I left, it was all, it's just about perfect. So everybody, man, man, you, will you cut my grass? Them folk about to kill me. That's how he blessed me with the detail part. But he messed me up with the part where you can't do nothing right. So I grew up thinking I can't do nothing right. I, I, I can't do nothing. I, I, I felt an inability to function. And so Jesus actually had to start commanding me to do things. And he would thrust me into responsibilities that I, I knew I couldn't do because it took that for me to learn how to trust him. It took that for him, for me to see that it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by his spirit. It's by what Jesus can do and what he commands and what he says in you. So the good news for the person without strength, without hope, without faith today does not lie in you. It's in Jesus. Jesus makes the difference. He makes the difference. Stop thinking that you have to or you can or you, or you, or you need to. You don't have to. I, 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 a, a little young lady came to me and she was telling me at work that she was pregnant and she was saying, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. She got health issues and she was concerned that, you know, she might not be well enough to have a baby, carry a baby. I said, what Jesus blesses you with, he's able to help you with. He's able to carry you through. I said, just, just don't do nothing rash or crazy. Just relax and allow him to trust. I said, let somebody else tell you that. Don't, don't start thinking. See, we start thinking too much. We start thinking like this man did. I have nobody to help me. When the water's trouble, another step down before me. Nobody help me. I'm not able to do it. I can't do it. And, and all we got to do, if Jesus blesses you to be a mother, he will equip you to be one. He'll help you to do it. There is a Savior who can be trusted. And in him is hope and strength for you. There is a Savior whose word brings strength. When Jesus speaks something, he speaks to the powerless, the hopeless, the faithless. And when he speaks something to you, there is power in that word to do whatever he says. And may his word bring new strength, new hope, and new faith to every one of us today. I pray today. This is my prayer today. This is my prayer today. That whatever you've been facing, whatever you've been dealing with, whatever you've been going through, and you felt like you couldn't overcome, that you felt like you couldn't work through, I want you to I want to pray today for Jesus to speak a word and give you a word that will help you through whatever you're facing. And when he speaks that word, I want you to stop doing like the man when Jesus said, do you want to be well? Stop making excuses. Stop saying that won't nobody help me. Stop saying that somebody else always get in front of me. Stop blaming the white man. Because our limitations and our inabilities are really within us. I'm telling you, if you get a command from God, there's nothing 
Nobody that can stop you. Nothing. When God speaks, there is nothing or nobody that can hinder you. Nobody. Nobody. And you know, I was listening to some of the songs when I, when I think about, man, when, you know, when God is in, when we say he reigns. To us, we may think about he's ruling in the, in, you know, he's making the sun come up in the east and settle in the west. And he calls the earth to stay on its axles. And he does all that. He calls the birds to fly south in the wintertime. He calls the trees to die and the bloom in the, in the springtime. But he also reigns in your life. And that whatever is going on, whatever is happening, God is still reigning. He's in the midst of it. And nothing is going to happen to you outside of what he allows. Nothing. So don't let this spirit that was on this man come upon you and cause you to not believe the command of God. When he said... He said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, don't take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. He said, for, he said, the birds don't sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet my help the Father feedeth them. How much more will he take care of you? And, and I think about God's grace, and, and my life is so much better than I have lived in the goodness of God. When I was thinking about all that, man... You know, I may not have what everybody else got. I might not be living in the house they live in on the north side. I might not be driving the car that some people have. I might not have the money in the bank. But, that, but let me tell you what I have had. I have lived in the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Every day of my life. Every day of my life I've lived in it. I've experienced it. And I want you, I want God today to speak something to you. I want him to give you a command to go from where you are to where he wants you to be, that next phase, that next step, that next place in life. I want you to stop looking at the obstacles. I want you to stop looking at what's in the way. Lauren, stop looking at how difficult it is. Don't, don't look at how hard it is. Because God wouldn't have put you there if he wasn't going to take you through. He's going to take you through. He's going he gonna, he gonna, he gonna, he gonna to take you through with flying colors, and it'll be over before you even know it. It just seemed to be, things seem to be difficult and hard now. It seemed to be a little tough at the moment. But I'm going to tell you something. God, he's going to speak a word. He's going to speak a word. He's going to speak a word. He got all your, he got all your dreams in hand, little marks. He know, he know where you're going. He know where he's going to take you. He just said, be patient, be still, relax. Just don't stress over it. Don't stress over it. Don't stress over it. Don't, don't, don't think. You know, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. What, what happened to me was we live in time. God lives in eternity. And we feel like we're running out of time. But I want you, to, I want, I want you all to understand today that God can do in six months what it takes us, take us 60 years to do. God can make the last two years of your life be better than the other 60 that you had. So don't get caught up in time. Don't think that I'm too old, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough strength. Stop making excuses. And I want you to hear the command of God that he speaks to you today. Whatever that is, whatever it is, you know where you are, you know what you need. Some of y'all need some courage to take a step. 
to do something that you know you should have done a long time ago, but you're just scared to do it. Just scared to do it. Today, I want God to speak to you, and I want you to be bold enough to get up first. And I want you to take that thing you've been leaning, relying, and depending on, and I want you to go. I want you to get on the move. I want you to get on the move. Let God lead you, but don't let the devil intimidate you. That's what he's trying to do. That man would still would have died beside that pool. He would have died. But let me say this to you. He didn't have no strength, no hope, and no faith. None, Sister Wanda. He didn't have any. He didn't even know who Jesus was. But look what he did. He got up. He took up his bed. And he got on the move. With no faith. Just on the command. Just on the word. Just on the word of Jesus. He got up. He had been like that 38 years. You got him by 20. <laughs> you got him by 20. But it don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. I got him by 21. It don't matter. It does not matter. Today, we're going to listen for God. We want to hear him. We want to hear what he got to say. We want to hear him speak in our situation. So let us pray. Lord, we just bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, every person in this room, every person in this room may be standing at the pool, blind, lame, halt, waiting on the Spirit of God to move when Jesus is standing there with a command. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, these are your people. This is your time. This is your hour. I'm asking you to speak to them right where they are. You know their circumstances. You know what they're going through. And Lord, I'm asking you to speak clearly. No confusion. No wondering. This man didn't have to wonder what you said. He didn't have to question. He just obeyed. So Lord, I'm praying for that word, and when that word comes, that's going to come courage, that's going to come strength, that's going to come hope, and faith is all going to be in it. Let them know you, they don't, they, they're better off than this man was. At least we know you. At least we know you. So, Lord, I'm asking you to work in their lives, even now, as we speak. Speak to them. Give them the word necessary and needed to break them free from where they are to where they need to be. And it's that simple. I thank you. And I want every person, I want every person, even though you may not have heard it, I want you to thank him for speaking to you where you are. Speaking to you in your situation, in your circumstance. 
giving you the word to take you to the next phase, the next step in life. Helping you to come from that place where so many people are sitting and waiting and some even dying in that place. To hear his voice and to obey what he say. Thank him. I want you to thank him every day. Every day this week. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a word that's going to be full of everything I need to do what, I, what that word says for me to do. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. I bless you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.